Hey, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Nathan. How do you make a tissue dance? I don't even want to know. <laughs> this could go so many different directions. You put a little boogie in it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh. With that, welcome. Welcome to the Boogie Show. We apologize for everything. No, he doesn't. Ugh, deep down inside. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Spotted Goats podcast. I'm Nathan. Those are crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching to see if you were paying attention. And I am Jeff. It's good to have you guys back, all of you together. And don't uh, forget William. Oh, yes. William, and of William course. came back. Uh, yeah, that's the most important return in this entire story. So everyone, thank God that William came back. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us for another uh, podcast. We, uh, you know, uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm looking through our notes for today, and I'm it's it's overwhelming. First of all, I want to be able to I want to say to everyone that it's so. I get excited. I get really excited about these conversations because uh, it's so important to us to be able. Look, I, I, I'm the first to tell you I am not a heavily lauded theologian. Okay, um, I am someone who loves the text. I love the word, uh, but there's so much more. I'll admit right now, there's so much more that I could learn. I think you know Jeff would say the same thing for yourself. Oh, absolutely. I mean that's part of the love of this, right? Right. I mean, when you think about, we talked about the Trinity, and he could have said, well, it's me. But he <laughs> said, you know, I've Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, he's reaching in everybody in every way. Right. And that means that this journey is endless. Yeah. There is going to always be something more to know. And I want to I want to say this up front. We talked in the very first the very first few seconds of this podcast that we believe in the inspiration of the text. We believe in the inspiration of the scriptures. It's God breathed and it's profitable to us for many many things, and we completely affirm that. I also want to say that what we're going to be talking about. I mean, obviously, we have our own theological perspectives, and today is going to be pretty heavy in theology, uh, but. While I can assure you that there are going to be people listening to this that are going to disagree by, with some of this, um, first allow me to say I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I'm good with you disagreeing with me because I've never, you know, I'm not right about everything. Um, but I will say that I'm, I'm not here to anger or take things on. I am sure that there are a lot of people on this planet that will never care. Probably the, well, no, not probably, definitely the vast majority of people do not care what I think about any given topic. Some of those people are in the room. <laughs> There's only three of us here. Hey, William, you got his mic muted yet? Um, <laughs> Just kidding. But we are going to be talking today about um, a concept in Scripture that I think, uh, it, as believers, I think it, in, it uh, intercepts our lives more than we think about. And that is being made in the image of God. Genesis 1.26, and I just want to read it really quick because this is going to be the base. I want you, if you're, if you're following along with the Bible, I want you to have Job handy. I want you to have Proverbs handy, maybe uh, some more in Genesis and maybe some more in Romans. I want you to have these things handy because these are going to be some source texts that we look at. Um, we're not going to be reading Scripture the whole time, but it is important to be ready for this. 1.26 of Genesis says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image... According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So let's go back. It says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So Jeff, explain that, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, as you are the theological heavy one here, I'm thinking that that might be better for you. (laughs) Um, You know, this is one of those questions, and, and I don't really come at this from a... A textual place. Um, I said textual. Um, it's this image of God uh, speak that we hear in Genesis is one that has created more of that cognitive dissonance that you talked about last week. What or, do you mean by that? When we are in a church and we hear that we are nothing but lowly wretches, it's in direct opposition to this verse. Okay. We are in the image of God. Does that mean that we are perfect and God? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But it is a pretty good starting point, right? Yeah, it's I a mean, great way to get started. And and, and I think I, you, the questions that come to my my curious mind are why? Yeah. You know, if if uh he's creating something, why would he start anywhere else? Right. And with that, there's a lot of comfort in that mm-hmm. because that, that tells me that I have value, that, that this God I am willing to um, worship and spend time with and pursue is saying the same things about me. So let's explore this. Let's, let's look a little bit at what the text says about being made in the image of God. Um, I am no Hebrew scholar. In fact, I can't read Hebrew at all. Okay, so, uh, but I will tell you that uh, great resources like Blue Letter Bible have helped many, many people, including myself, to know what the text says. So, for example, in 126, the word for image, let us make man in our image, is the word Salem. Now, it's spelled T in English, it's T S E L E M. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, Salem. <laughs> uh, it means resemblance. Okay. I was going to say this is awful close to semblance. Right. Yeah, it's right. resemblance, semblance, likeness, which is another word that was used later in the, mm-hmm. in the verse. But also there is a very interesting, uh, forgive me for the expression, shading uh, <laughs> of this word, where it has an inference of shadow in there. So let us yeah. make man in relation to our sh- to our shadow let us make man in our resemblance let us make man in a way that somewhat looks like us what how does that strike you will how does it strike yeah, me how does it strike you that we are his shadow um well since we don't live in peter pan that means we could never <laughs> be separated right um that we are always right there um and that we are tied eternally to him and that there's nothing that can be done about mm-hmm. that, that it cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. So um, it also tells me that I am a reflection of what he is. That, you know, if um, you know he holds up three fingers and there's a shadow of three on the wall, then we are in congruence, that we are together, that we are one. Um, and that's exactly where I want to be. Right. You know, I, I was... I was listening to, I was having a conversation somewhere. I forget where it was. And it's almost like the, um, the, I heard someone say one time that the text on the page is the shadow of God's light through man. The shadow of God's light through man. I'm just going to leave that there. It's not even what we're talking about today. 
But I want us to think about that. You know, hmm. we're, we'll talk about textual inspiration and all that at some point in the future. But I think it's so powerful that the image of light and shadow with God's image, um, us being made in his image. I think it's so powerful. And then later on, it talks about how he breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of man. So he made man in his image, mm-hmm. made man in his resemblance. And don't worry, we're not skipping over this. We've gotten several comments from some of you guys out there that uh, you say, you know, well, you don't, you, you got to go deeper on some of this stuff. Don't worry, we are. Um, <laughs> but, but I want us to get a, I want to paint with a broad brush for a moment. The breath of life being breathed into the nostrils of man. Did you, did you have, you look, you got this look on your face, like, like you're just I'm itching going, to say something. I, I'm, I'm holding something here that for whatever reason just now hit me. Okay. Um, and I was kind of, you know, we've started to put together a couple of notes here. Thank God you do. Um, <laughs> where the rest of us can follow along, but you know, the, the thinking of God's image and who we are, and being the shadow. And then you say, you know, the the, the text is, how did you say that God's light? It's almost like a shadow of God's light like around man. man. Around yeah. man. Well, I was doing some thinking uh, the other day about what I was taught about sin. Mm-hmm. And I was taught at an early age, uh, I might add, not by my parents, I don't know that they ever signed up for this, but in a church <laughs> setting, that sin was nothing but the depravity of man. Oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, that doesn't jive. And um, I see plenty of people do, quote, unquote, bad things, right? And when I, when I see folks uh, in an office, uh, whether in my day job or in the counseling room, um, I see sin, uh, you know, I, I see this thing when I say sin, you know, I morphed from, oh, it's this depravity of man to no, it's this corruption that breaks down. And as we start thinking about light and dark and God being the light and we being the shadow, I'm reminded of a mentor uh, up at a church in Nashville who said that sin really truly when you boil it down is nothing more than that thing that gets between you and God. Okay. So so let's play a little bit. I'm a 16-year-old boy. My hormones are racing and this girl walks by and all of a sudden I am eat up with lust. I'm not thinking about anything but that girl, right? Something has gotten between the life he wants for me and what I'm doing where I am. And if we are to be his shadow, we are to be his image. When he puts his image as the light and we put something in between, we can no longer look like him. We are blotted out by Mm -hmm. that thing. It's a distorted image. Or non-image even. I mean... You know, I'm sitting here, we're in a room that's got some sun coming through. If I hold up two fingers, I can see two fingers on the wall. Mm -hmm. But if I put that book between us, my hand, the image of my hand is no longer being seen on the wall. And if we are to be disciples, not just believers, you know, I can believe the hand is there, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm to be a disciple and I am to be that image, 
and I continually focus on putting this thing between me and him, I can't be the image. Right. And I don't know, as you were talking about that right there, that just smacked me across the face. And uh, it makes you think, you know, not am I good, am I bad, but more of a, have I got something that's keeping me from being the reflection of his goodness. I love it when you get like, like this, by the way. Wow. Like, I, you know? You, you look you, like I, folks, I, you can always tell if you ever spend five <laughs> seconds around Jeff, you can always tell if something strikes him like this, he gets this. It's like, you remember the old cartoons of how a dinosaur thinks, how the, the dot, 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 dot goes all the way to the tail, then it goes dot, 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 all the way back up to the head and all the way, bing. When you have that bing, I know we're going on it. We're going on a ride. But, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, this is not good for counselor face. No, just no, it's, it's I can't great though. It. It's very true. But I mean, just just think about that and think about what that simple concept you just brought to the table. That this resemblance, this likeness, this shadow that is breathed into us. I mean, he treated us differently. You and I were talking mm-hmm. about it recently. He treated us differently than anybody else. Yeah. Than any other any being. other creature. Share some let's, of that. Let's talk about yeah. So when you talk about the word, the word used in the text in Genesis for breathe the breath of life is the word neshama. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong. That's okay. Um, so there are a couple of inferences when you look at the use of that word. First of all, it is something that makes us distinct from other life forms. Um, something that makes humankind different. So it's that whole, you know, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Doesn't exactly jive. <laughs> Rachel, you are not allowed to finish that song. Here we go now. No, it, it doesn't exactly <laughs> jive with, with the text. Also, um, Job 32.8, it teaches us that this breath, this neshama, gives us understanding. It says, but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. You're about to get me worked up, Nate. And and then finally, you look, I want to be able I want to you go ahead and get worked up. I'm looking to, I'm going to one other text. I want to I want to hit one other text really quick. So you all see the dino dots? Um yeah, I I'm sitting here going how in the world could anybody ever say that man's nature is to be depraved? No, if we've got this neshama in us, if we have had this thing breathed in us, we are not starting in a negative state. We are not starting in a less than state that has to be brought up out of the ditch. Thank God there was Jesus to you know do that. It so cuts the story short mm-hmm. if we look at it that way. If all Jesus is is a big pink eraser then we don't have this breath in us. Yeah. One thing that I, I think is very important to our larger discussion beyond this episode is one other it, part of the essence of God, the image of God, the breath of life mm-hmm. that was breathed into us, and it's in Proverbs 22, uh, 20, 27. I don't see this in the notes, Nate. It says this, yeah, brace oh. yourself. <laughs> We're going extra scriptural. No, uh, it says in, in Proverbs twenty twenty seven. it says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, Ooh. searching all the inner depths of his heart. So let's think about that for a minute. For those of you who have problem with asking questions of the text, the essence of humanity is our God-given question. Mm. So it's okay? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that it's perfectly fine. 
Mm-hmm. I, well, you had, so before we go any further, I want you to think about, I want you all to just remember this, how powerful this is. The fact that we can look inside ourselves is evidence, not in an apologetic way, but in a, in a spiritual and an existential way. It's proof of that breath of life that was breathed into us. It's our very defining characteristic. Can and if you're de- breathe out. Yeah. If you're denying you if you're denying that you're able to question these things, then you're denying the breath of God. Then why have so many been told it's not okay to question? There are a lot of big answers to that question. Um, one of them I think is because you're such a worm, Jeff. Mm. Let's talk like for, in the bottle of the bottle. <laughs> that's, no. that's the bottle that's always welcome. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's. What have we been told? What is our experience of what we've been told about our actual nature? You talked about this this idea of depravity a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about total depravity. What do you know about total depravity? That it's a lot rarer than we like to think, and it's mm-hmm. especially a lot rarer than we talk about in church. <laughs> what do you mean? Go well, ahead, lay, lay that on me. Total depravity. I mean. Um, to be without, to be missing completely, to be um, fundamentally flawed, um, to have that level of total depravity, you know, it really tells us something. Uh, it tells a story that I don't know everyone who sings those words, you know, such a wretch like mm-hmm. me. Um, I don't know that folks have truly considered what you're saying, mm-hmm. um, that this total depravity, everybody, humans by nature are bad. Yeah. And I want I those of you, I, I want those of you out there who deeply, and look, there is a large percentage of Christians, Protestant Christians in, in, this, in, in this country and in the world that adhere to this doctrine. And I want you to hear me when I say we love you, and mm-hmm. and we're not saying that you're not a Christian if you hold to this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you're not a believer. I'm not saying that you're not a follower. I'm just presenting an alternate way to think, yeah. an alternate line of thought. That's all I'm doing. So, yeah. so you can send all the hate you want to me, but we're not coming after you. We're just giving right. an alternative position. And, and I understand, and I, I really thank you for bringing that up because I can get lost in this sometimes. Yeah, same here. Um, amazing Grace is an amazing song. Yes. And, you know, there are times when that is sung that, you know, the, the eyes start to sweat a little bit <laughs> because it's so touching and, right. it, and it elicits that, that emotion that we've been gifted. But the piece to that that is so hard for me, it's not... By saying I'm not a wretch doesn't mean I'm saying I'm perfect and do not need God. Right. All it is saying is that I'm not a wretch. Mm-hmm. I am a flawed man. For those of you who, and sorry to interrupt, no, but just to make sure, for those of you unfamiliar with the tenets of Calvinism, it's there are five basic tenets. I'm not going to go through them. They An acronym that says TULIP, uh, and the T <laughs> is for total depravity. And what that means is that mankind is, at his very nature, they teach that you are wretched, sinful, unable to see the work of God. There is nothing good about you. Everything about you is completely separated from God with sin, and you are completely 
helpless to do anything about it. You will you are destined for hell and there you are an absolute piece of spiritual trash. That's total depravity. Would you disagree with that any any thoughts there, Jeff? Me? Yeah, yeah. No, Absolutely. No, 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 I'm not going to tenant. No, no, no. Not with I am the not idea. A Calvinist. I'm saying no. I'm saying I'm more of a Hobbesist you know, for those of you raised in the eighties. <laughs> no, what I mean is, is there anything that you would add to my explanation of total depravity? No, I think that I think that hits it. Okay. I mean, I think that's where we are. So, so I don't. But is that what the text says? Because no. I look at things like Genesis four, for example. And we're not going to go through a whole bunch, but Genesis four six, when when Cain has killed Abel, and he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at your door. He gives him a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one of many examples. The entire Hebrews chapter 11, <laughs> everything about it talks about all these great people. Enoch, for example, mm-hmm. being so good that that God took him, right? I have mm-hmm. a hard time reconciling that with the idea that Abraham, Moses, Enoch, Rahab, a prostitute listed in Hebrews 11, okay? And I know some of you guys out there, uh, that doesn't sit very well with you, if you're being quite honest. How many of you have welcomed prostitutes into your church lately? I'm just saying, not in that way. I'm just I'm, I'm simply saying, uh, for those of you who, if you saw that on her resume, you you'd would completely write her off. You'd write her off. You would not write her in. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, so, so I don't think that this is what we see in the text when it comes to the nature of man in light of being made in the image of God. But again, it doesn't mean that man is perfect. Right. You don't have to jettison the idea that we need him. To say so is a false dichotomy. Right. I mean, there is no way I can have salvation without Jesus. Not going to happen. Right. I can't work it. I can't pray it. I can't make it happen. Absolutely. He has to be there and he has to be a part. And he has told us, I got you. I'm here. And with that, I can quite uncomfortably say, I am a flawed man. I was flawed yesterday. I am flawed today. And I will be flawed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And by the, the grace and the blood of Christ, the sacrifice that he was willing to make, I can be made whole. But that doesn't mean I'm a wretch. Right. Does that mean Jesus only wants trash? Does it mean that God made a mistake? Think let, about that. Let that one sit for a minute, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to consider these things. Now, a lot of people will go and proof text to you, Romans 3. Where it starts talking, where it starts talking about how you know their tongues are full of acid. I don't have the exact quote in me right now, but but you know what I'm talking about. Where they go through and it says, "There's none righteous, no, not one," and all this. Read your footnotes, because if you read your footnotes in that passage, it's not talking about how men are. All the footnotes take you back to the Psalms that they quote. That Mm -hmm. is a hall of fame of Psalms quotes. Okay, and if you go back in that, you can even see there that in those Psalms, it's talking about. The unrighteous. Right. And this describes those who have chosen not to be righteous. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying any of that text is wrong. Right. I'm just saying we have to know who it's talking about. And this is where, by the way, looking into textual criticism is very important. Because if you know those are psalms, then you have to read them as lyrics. You have Mm -hmm. to read them as poetry. You can't read that as, well... 
that proves that I'm a wretched sinner and I'm going to go to hell no matter what. And maybe, uh, maybe if Jesus saves me, then I'll believe. Mm. Whoa, wait a minute. I think you put in a motive there. Yeah. I mean, because you get the theology backwards. And I think that, I think that the doctrine of total depravity, as we describe it, where there's this dichotomy of you're either a piece of garbage or you're perfect. I think that's a a problem that doesn't exist. Well, and to bring this more pop culture, because I'm not the one who dives into theology the way you do. I feel like I'm, I hope I'm not boring all of you right now. You kind of have a degree in this, right? Yeah, but it's very, (laughs) this is very, very, very important to me because this doctrine has affected how people view their own self-worth. I'm going to pull out my uh, degree and talk about bicameral legislature here in just a minute. Okay. Um, If we bring it into pop culture, uh, you know, the modern day, I think you find that more people are reading the message and the NLT and they're not doing these deep dives uh, into the old text and reading the footnotes. Many of these Bibles probably don't have footnotes, Bible, and that's okay. The NLT does. Awesome. The NLT's footnotes are fantastic. I uh, had a gentleman call me um, the other day, or text me at work, and um, he has just found the chosen. Mm-hmm. And We are triggering every, every Calvinist in America right now. <laughs> we love y'all. I promise this is, not, this is not a come at me, bro. No, not at all. Not at all. But I asked him, I said, you know, as one who has seen it and watched it and loves, loves it, right? I just, I, I find it to be, you know, the, the, the popcorn at the movie kind of thing mm-hmm. when it comes to spirituality. I mean, it's not this deep dive where I'm going to get into transubstantiation. Oh, yeah. But by the way they put that together... Um, you can see things, and it ta- what I find interesting is it takes me back to the text. Mm-hmm. When I see them portray a story on this show, I go, huh, where is that? What can I find out about it? Where can I go see that? And then I open up my Bible, which I think is part of the intent. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting about this conversation with this gentleman is I said, what, what got you? Because he's not the kind of guy that would typically watch this show. And he said, I can see in Jesus's eyes in that show how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I sit there and I think back to the episodes when, you know, the, the man portraying Jesus looks at Mary Magdalene and knows what's going on there. And that look. Yeah. What a he's, powerful He's scene. not looking at trash. Yeah. He is looking at one of his beloved. Quoting my favorite who, verse in the entire Bible. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Isaiah 43. Right with you. And he's looking at her and he's calling her beloved without saying a word. Yeah. And then he opens his mouth. And then when he gets to the woman at the well mm-hmm. and he looks at her and she talks about all these things that she's done wrong and he's calling up some to show these things I understand and I know and you are, you are mine. Um, that does not sound like total depravity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a God who's looking for trash so he can look good. Right. Right. He is looking at his creation that he loved when he created, he loved when it fell, and he loves now and is, in essence, pleading with it to come back. Notice And notice, even when it fell, he did not curse it. Right. He cursed the ground. He cursed the serpent. <laughs> and he just gave man and woman a lot more work to do. Yeah. But he did not curse them. Yeah. So, so you have to be asking yourselves, okay, where are the stupid jokes you guys normally do? And, you know, how's this conversation? You guys I've still are, got my moo moo on. Oh, I still got the moo moo. So, why are we talking about? This? I want you guys to think about this. I want you all to think about this for a moment. Um, the the implications of this are so huge. 
what are what are the implications of what we've been told traditionally? Like, if if it's true, we think about things like our mental health epidemic in the church. Mm-hmm. We think about our general view of self worth or lack thereof in the church because of this unspoken sometimes doctrine of total depravity. You don't have to even be at a, at a you don't even have to be at a Calvinist denomination to believe a lot of this stuff um, or be taught a lot of this stuff. What are the implications? If this doctrine is true, and this is why we're talking about this, because I want all of you to be thinking about yourselves and how you view yourselves in light of the Scripture and in light of the ministry of Christ and the, and the sovereignty and fatherhood of God as we go at this. So what are some of the implications of, what we, of, of this idea? Well, and um, with that, if I'm this bad and there's nothing I can do about it, what does that, what does that do to me? If I am never able to get back to neutral or even ahead, what does that mean? Why mm-hmm. would I even try? Yeah. You know, there was that experiment they did with fleas. Put them in a jar and they could jump out. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, they put a lid on this jar and just let them live in there. Yeah. And then they took the lid off. Well, they stopped jumping out of the jar. Right. I've told you you can't. I've told you you're bad. Oh You'll my never gosh, be Jeff. good. Oh, my gosh. There this, we are. Oh, so what you're saying is, is if we keep the fleas beaten down for long enough, then after a while they'll never jump out? And we can control them. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Foreshadowing. The power, dynamic of, the power dynamic of this is real, and we have to talk about yep, it. Yep, absolutely. You are not even worth a compliment if this is true. Either guilt Shame, or I should say enter guilt, shame, and ease of control. This is fuel for a toxic power dynamic. And perhaps why we see so many toxic churches. Churches that are spreading this and um, really doing a grave disservice for the folks in their in their flocks. Yeah. You should be thankful just for the scraps, Jeff. You don't realize that? Like, you, you don't understand that God in the great Super Nintendo game of existence, he depleted his entire power-up meter just to save you? Well, I don't like that book, uh, you know, in the Bible that says that he's going to give us the bare minimum and that he loves us just enough. Just enough. And, and, and that, uh, you know, if we act stellar and we beat ourselves enough, then maybe one day we can sweep his floor. I God. I know I know some people that, and I love these people to death. I know one uh, very very intelligent woman that you cannot give her a compliment because she will not accept it. Because we've told our people that if they acknowledge any good in themselves, they are not being humble. Right. That you're being arrogant. You're being haughty. So as get one back of our in line and keep making bricks say. without straw. Right. Hmm. Chew on that one. <laughs> Folks, we don't script this stuff. Um, so, so God had to save you in this point. If, if this is true, then it's not a gift, but it's an obligation. This one hacks me off. Do tell. Uh, I mean, oh, like, tell. Th- this is one that has, has come up so, so many times recently, and I really try to play the neutral card. But when we look at this and we look at what Jesus did on the cross and say he did it out of obligation because he was the only one that could, mm-hmm. we are so selling him short. Yeah. 
he he could have saved us in Has anybody any heard way. of the free gift of God at, <laughs> at any point in the New Testament? Right, but that's the thing. Like we need it. We we can't like I said, we cannot obtain salvation. Right. It is a gift. It is a gift through Jesus, and he is the only one that can do that. But he didn't do it because he had to. There's right. no contract between God and us that says, make this many sacrifices, cover this many sins, and I'll let you in. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the passcode so you can come through the garage. That's not I think it's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> B, A, B, A, select, start. Is that it? Yeah, there it is. But that's not the story we're told. And every year around Easter, when we when we start hearing those sermons that he had to, he was the only, yes, he was the only one. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Thousand percent we agree. But he didn't have to. It it to me, it minimizes the gift. It minimizes the tears of blood that he shed. It or sweat. It it minimizes the standing there and taking the beating. It minimizes the forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So what you're saying is he wasn't just doing a job? No. He was loving on his people. And he was, he, in my mind, this opinion alert, we need a button for that. I think we just alert. need to have that for this entire show. Well, right. <laughs> the, the part of this that gets me is that through that, he's not fulfilling an obligation, but Jesus is emphatically removing any doubt as to answering the question, does he love us? And not love us in groups. Does he love Nathan? He answered that question emphatically on the cross. There, and if it's just an obligation, well, shoot, I've got an obligation to, to Toyota to make my payment next week. <laughs> you know, that's not that's not me telling Toyota I love them. Right. That's me fulfilling an obligation. His sacrifice. And him doing what he did was so much more than that. And by accepting this idea that we weren't made in his image and that we are just trash and that we should be thankful for the scraps, quite honestly, is belittling the act of love that he did on the cross. Jeff's opinion, you don't like it, I'm really sorry. You find the website, send me all the stuff you want. But when I look at Jesus and I look at what he did on the cross... He is fulfilling that promise that he will love us no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter what we do to him, no matter how much we ignore him, no matter how many things we bring between his light and our shadow, right? right? He has said, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to work this out with you. I just need you to work with me. Yeah. Right? And, and in that working with is, I need you to try. I need you to acknowledge that you're not perfect. And I need you to want this relationship with me. I, I know, I know the. I mean, I saw one time. I knew when I was growing up. I knew there was a uh, there was a an old lady that had a grandkid, and every time that grandkid was a little mouthy, okay, <laughs> and every time that grandkid would uh, do something, and then the 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 grandmother would provide a meal or a you know, a, a place to stay or whatever mm-hmm. for this kid. She would look at the kid and go, look at what I do for you, boy. <laughs> and, and even though you're mouthy and you, and you, you know, look at what I do for you, boy. And isn't that how we look at this relationship? 
And then we wonder what happens when the boy stands up and says, I don't need you to do it anymore. Right. Deuces. I'm yeah. out. And, and in the religion, in a religious circle where we, where we do rightfully so connect so much emotion and so much, uh, of our value to the institution. Okay. Think about the anxiety and the paranoia that comes with thinking that love mm. has strings attached. Oh yeah. So I, I, any of you out there know what we're talking about? Think you do. <laughs> so, uh, Let's talk about positives. About time. It's about time. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, Nathan. I'm sitting over here talking about how awesome Jesus is and how much he loves us. But, okay, go for it. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. (laughs) Bring you back back, back down to the worm that you are. You're so holy, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, So what is a fresh understanding? If we we look at this as being made in the image of God, being that shadow of the divine, uh, what does it mean for us, admitting once again very clearly for those of you who believe in the false dichotomy, we are not saying that we are divine and perfect. Being there in that happy middle ground of what I believe that we read in the text, what does it mean for us then if we are made truly in the image of God? Well, I think one of the things that it means is that um, we can have a good time. Okay. It's okay to be happy. Yeah. We, we don't have to... You know, dancing um, leads to babies, right? Oh, uh, well, you know. And accidents cause people too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we don't have to. We don't have to constantly look with a downtrodden face. Yeah, Th- those of us that are parents, that's not what we want for our children. And um, I think that that is a, a very real issue right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking about the lady that you brought up. She can't take a compliment. Mm-hmm. Why? Because she's not humble. It breaks my heart. She she does such marvelous things. And I told her one time, I said, you realize this X, Y, Z was really good. And she goes, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> and, 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 and it breaks my heart. Yeah, it does. And uh, to the flip side of that, for those of you that are searching for those positives and perhaps an alternative to that. Yeah, let's do that. Right? Okay, so uh, I know of a gentleman uh, that I think dearly of. Um, life is not the same without him. Um, one of the things that, that we discuss fairly frequently is um, the fact that he will do something for someone, and he's so in tune, and he would argue that he's not because he's a flawed man. Sure. Um, he doesn't claim to be a wretch, but he acknowledges his, his, uh, his flaws, and he will say that you know when something good happens, when he's done something for somebody, it's magical to watch. Because they'll say, oh, pretend it's you. Nathan, man, that was really awesome, and I'm so glad you're here. And he, with a grin on his face, will say, thanks, but you understand I I couldn't have done that without Jesus. Wow. And it's like, oh. And he's so happy. Mm -hmm. And in digging deeper with him, the thing about it, he's like, you know, I I can't do it without the Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I never know what's going to happen when I give in to him. Yeah. But it's fun to watch. It's it uncomfortable, but it's fun to watch. Yeah. It's a planner's worst nightmare. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, your eightness is going, what, what, oh, what, I know. what? One of the things, so. though, that I have, and this, once again, n- very little of what we do is on the script or on the notes. <laughs> there are notes uh, here. There are notes here. Um, <laughs> one of the things for me being my personality, you know, a driving personality, uh, one of the things that I've challenged myself to do because – we have a you know a propensity. If I'm left to my own devices, to have an ego, okay, mm. and like and and we all have egos. Uh, sure. Even those of you who say I don't have an ego, that that's your ego talking. Uh, so 
one of the things that I really work to do is say, God, please show up today and do it in a way that it can be explained only by you. Yep. And then when you do, please realize that any of success that I may have because of that is all for your glory. And that, to me, is trying to reflect the image of God. And that is intentional living. Yeah, and, and, and it's hard for me. It really is because we live in a society where we celebrate, right? We, we celebrate successes. And if something happens, it's really easy for any of us then to say, ah, thanks, I appreciate that. And it feeds mm-hmm. into the mm-hmm. ego when in, rea- in reality it's all to God's glory. Mm-hmm. But let's talk mm-hmm. – we're getting off track. Let me talk – let's talk a little bit about what that looks like in the image of God. First of all, I think we were created to create The creator can create. Now, he creates from nothing, but we can still create. Mm -hmm. I think that's powerful. Think about this. I'm going to throw a little thing your way, maybe for future discussions as well. Uh, If Jesus' gift was a gift, then gifts are given by choice. And if Jesus exercised free will and we are made in his image, then maybe free will is part of the whole thing. I'm just going to drop that thing right there. (laughs) Why have I got that really bad song? I want you to want me going through my head. We can play in the presence of God instead of cower, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about. We can question ourselves because it's our very nature. Yeah, and that questioning, what what is so awesome about that, and obviously there could be a million types of questions, when we question what we do, how we do it, why we do it, all of that, that doesn't mean we're saying we're bad. Right. Sure, we do bad things. We sure, make mistakes. Absolutely. Sometimes it's Everyone on accident, sins. and sometimes it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, we are not what we do. Preach. We are beings. And uh, one of my favorites uh, used to, to say a lot before he passed, if we're human um, doings, then what happens when we don't? Mm-hmm. We're not human doings. We're human beings. Preach. And that means we get to ask the question without, you know, throwing coals and ashes on our own head mm-hmm. um, and that that's okay. And it's okay to say, wow, I screwed that up. And then to offer that prayer, you know, God, I, I missed it on this one. I know I did. And I pray that you can. And I knew I was going to miss it yep. before I missed it. And I missed it anyway. And praying for that reconciliation. Yeah. And, um, and the thing is, is he's promised us that he will. Right. And that doesn't mean you get to go out and sin on Friday night because you know on Sunday you're going to get to go ass. <laughs> right. But but the thing is, is that we know we have a partner. We have a partner in this that understands. Yeah. Because he did create us. Yeah. And for those of you that when you when you do have those moments, um, the next you know, we can listen for the spirit and know when he speaks and we embrace his presence among us and for those of you when you make mistakes when you feel that guilt you know that you should not have done that guess what that's the spirit mm-hmm. so the god that created us in his image loves us enough to stay with us and be our comforter and be part of us and be around us and convict us and teach us mm-hmm. and mold us and interact with us and then and he is Absolutely holy and absolutely sovereign. So why would something that holy and sovereign want to hang out in a trash dump? <laughs> All of a sudden, the fraggles went through my head. <laughs> I want to be Uncle Traveling Matt. I just want to put it out there. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. He he didn't create us as trash. I, I just, 
I used to believe it. Yeah, me too. Because it was easier to explain my flaws. Mm -hmm. And and self-loathing is the worst expression of ego that you can have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just... I just have real struggle with that. And that's why when we do sing that in church, um, I know it means a lot to a lot of people, but often I'll, I will sit and listen. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathroom. Right. And it's okay. But while we look at, while we consider all these things, yes, we are not perfect. Yes. All have sinned. Yes. Scripture is true. Yes. We are made in God's image. And that being the truth, we can love, we can create we can explore, we can give, all so that the world is given testimony about he in whose image we are made. Absolutely. And I think that is our very pedestrian but quite enthusiastic discussion on what does it mean to be made in the image of God. If you have any questions, shoot us a message at uh, spottygoatspodcast at gmail.com. And with that, I would like to end with Nate's favorite verse. Um, but now this is what the Lord says. Hmm. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are not rags. Have a great day. See y'all. See y'all.